0: fatherhood it's how we keep our tribes and families strong you've landed in the right place if you're ready for dad jokes tips and tricks on fun parenting also with interviews with some of the coolest dad entrepreneurs we could track down and have them share their strategies to tackling it all in business and life on the dad next door and now your host mr. dad jokes himself (laughs) jason centeno
1: when did you start becoming an entrepreneur? Where did it start? Obviously, you didn't just wake up in the morning and say, "I'm going to be in real estate." Now, I do know a little bit about it. Mark Evans' DM's book, you were in it pretty heavy, mm-hmm. or a bit anyway. And
0: um, uh, I, uh, yeah, I wrote the uh, prologue or whatever, or the forward to it. I heard a bit of it, but
1: before you actually started becoming a real estate investor, like, what were you doing before then that got you into the, the you know, that part of things?
0: Yeah, dude. I, I've never, I had a couple of jobs in like high school and college, but I've always been doing entrepreneurial kind of things. When I was in high school, man, I was cutting people's hair. I was burning mixed CDs, downloading illegal music on Napster and audio galaxy and all those, and then making CDs and selling those to my buddies. So you were a hustler? Yeah, dude. I I don't know. I just, but I also had a job and I also played sports and I did a whole bunch of stuff and and then making CDs and selling those to my buddies. So Um, you were Jamaican? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: you, had jobs. you had a bunch of jobs and a lot of side hustles. I was the same way. I had like six, seven.
0: Yeah, I think it's interesting. I I uh we actually had a conversation with my buddy Caleb the other day about this. And I was like, dude, do you think entrepreneurs are born or do you think they're made? And um he's like, Yeah, you know, dude, I, I actually think they're born. And to me, and I heard um Gina Wickman say that also. Uh, I, I don't fully agree with that. I think everybody can be an entrepreneur or be can be entrepreneurial and can develop a business that's doing where they can net hundreds of thousands of dollars even a couple of million dollars a year um and i think everybody is capable of doing that uh, but i think there's some people who have just kind of an internal drive and a fire burning within uh and they're maybe just born that way or that's kind of how they were raised and how their um temperament was and how their uh, uh behavioral type was their psychology was and i don't know if that's formed when you're zero to five years old, or if you're legit just born that way. But that was part of the impetus of the books. And I'm sure we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later too.
1: Finally settled on real estate and, you know, I guess uh, fixing and flipping at first. And then you kind of just found that that wasn't fast enough or just, what you know, it, it was more of a job instead of like, yeah, you know a transaction. A big, yeah. And so, you know, you stepped, you stepped it up, you stepped it up and then you got to the point where you were just um, dealing with commercial multifamily, big projects like that. So did that run in your family though? Like was your, was your father an entrepreneur or anybody else in your family entrepreneurs? Or you, like I said, it was just. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when I was going through high school and I was doing that stuff, like my dad, is a, he's a cop, right. Full-time police officer, but he had a part-time business that was like personnel security for factories and foundries and apartment buildings, actually the most reliable of the guys who would take the crappy contracts. You know what I mean? Like he's going into the hood and he's employing a bunch of six, seven, $8 an hour employees at at the time that, you know, they no show for work and do all this stuff. He had this part-time personnel business and it just kind of organically grew by word of mouth. And he made three times as much money in his part time business than he did on his full time job. And so it was kind of like rich dad, poor dad in my own house because he's telling me to go to school, get good grades so you can get a good job. It didn't totally equate in my mind because I'm like, Dad, but you're making all your money over here in your part time business. What if, like, why don't you just jump ship? You could probably make way more money if you did it full time. He's like, No, nah, I got health insurance over here. I was like, How much is health insurance? Uh, I don't know. We know now.
1: <laughs> People always ask, "Why are you a firefighter if you're so if you're doing all this other stuff?" I'm like, "Dude, the benefits, and I got enough time on my hands." It's like I I understand completely, but it's just funny that the in a way the hypocrisy worked backwards. It was like, "Oh, get have this have this steady job," and it's like, "But you see
0: him making so much mm-hmm. over here." Uh, I think it was more of he was yeah. he was a small business owner. And he didn't have a very reliable team. He didn't have great systems and processes and procedures and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I, I remember him like going through hell, dude, uh, you know, like like trying to build this business. People wouldn't show up on Christmas and he'd have to go in and cover shifts on Christmas, you know, and things like that where he probably, in my mind, I never actually uh, addressed this with him, but um, I'm thinking he didn't want me to become an entrepreneur because it was more. Uh, and not, not that he like held me down or anything, but he always wanted me to go get a job. I was like, what? like the other 97% he's like, yeah, I was like, no, I'm not, That was I'm not those guys. There's a lot of adversity, dude, in being an entrepreneur. Like, there's a lot of struggle on the front end. There's a lot of work that goes into it. There's a lot of sacrifice you need to make. And I think, you know, he realized that maybe didn't want to see his son who he cares about and loves and doesn't want him to go through all those struggles and risks and take on all that liability and all that kind of stuff. And, um. Dude, he's a huge supporter now, and has seen what I've been able to do, and watches all my videos, and watches all my you know podcasts, and hears the same story over and over and over again, but still supports any way that he can. So it's um it's cool to see it come full circle, but it took a long time for him to really like buy in to uh, oh you know what all right I guess he's he's got this entrepreneur thing figured out.
1: I kind of get that too because we, you know we see the one side where it's like well we don't want you to have to deal with this kind of headache you know like. You know, like, for example, when I was doing Airbnbs and my wife would get mad because she's like, wow, she would hear only the bad stuff, the little, mm-hmm. like the occasional, like you just
0: said, someone. That's all wipes, man. Someone, it's the someone good stuff was is in here, out the other. Yeah, it's only the bad stuff that sits and thing That's
1: the only thing they remember. <laughs> remember the checks and the and the, the vacations and bills getting paid or none of that. They just remember that yeah. one time I had to run yeah. out at 10 o'clock at night to get sheets or something like that. Yeah. But, so I get it. I mean, that, unfortunately, that's what we fixate on, right? So you got two young children right now. What's your daily routine look like with you know just family life and
0: you know how, how is that working out right now? I think it changes based on your business. I think it changes as you grow your team. I think it changes as you grow uh, in entrepreneurship. And I've gone through a lot of growth over the past you know six, seven years. Uh, I was bad at real estate when I first got started, got better. High level guys on me. I'm, I have a little over 4,800 units as we're sitting here today. A uh, little over $400 million portfolio. So I have a team today, right? Like my lifestyle is a lot better than it was three, four years ago than, uh, when I didn't have a team built out and I was burning the candle at both ends and, um, waking up in the morning and trying to carve out time, you know, and be on phone calls. And my daughter's walking around with her little fake phone at one year old, just because she wants to duplicate what daddy's doing, you know? Um, so, you know, now, but here's the thing, like, I'm, I'm in a good spot, but I'm still like growth oriented. Now I'm starting new businesses. And so I'm still like in that phase, I time block a lot. And that this came from something that happened a few years ago. Um, I was, you know, dude, we're all entrepreneurs, right? And money on the line, when we see the phone blinking, when we see the phone buzzing, it's like, it's like, ah, I got to go check on it. And, um, uh, one night after, after dinner, when my daughter was like two years old, Saw my phone buzzing after dinner. I go over to my phone. I'm texting on my phone and responding to a text message. My daughter comes over, starts tugging on my shirt. Daddy, Daddy, will come play with me in the playroom. I was like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on one second. Text, text, text. Daddy, Daddy, come play. Yeah, hang on one second. Text, text, text. She's like, Daddy, Daddy. I was like, Baby, just go over there and play, and I'll I'll be over there in, in a minute, and I'll come play with you. And so I finished the text message, and I go to put the phone down. I look at my daughter, and she's playing by herself right after dinner during family time. And she came over because she wanted to play with her daddy, and um. And I looked down at the text. I'm like, dude, this wasn't important and it was not urgent either. And it was like a little bit of a punch in the, a lot of a punch in the gut because what happened was uh, my daughter came over because she comes to daddy for love and support and attention and uh, caringness and fun and excitement and doing all these like positive, getting all these positive emotions that she associates me with, you know? And how many times do you have to ignore your child before all of a sudden, those positive feelings end up becoming, uh, you know, negative feelings. And they end up becoming, now she comes to daddy and she gets disappointment. She gets turned down. She gets rejected. She gets this, this technology is more important than your actual living, breathing daughter, right? I don't know when that happens. Like, whether she knows it or not, I implanted a seed in her at that time. And how many seeds do you have to plant before all of a sudden you got a forest growing of all these negative emotions instead of all the positive ones. And so you know what I don't want is my daughter to grow up and think, you know, I gotta she starts dating assholes, right? And she goes and dates some guy that doesn't hold a door open for her or doesn't to treat her like the princess that we want our daughters to be treated like. I was like, damn, I need to make a change. And so I look at my calendar for the next day. I was like, I gotta clear everything out. And in that, in that thought process, I had, you know, meetings and phone calls and all these things that were scheduled in. And I was like, Dude, I schedule in work. Why don't I schedule in family time? Like, why don't I schedule in me time? You know, this is also during a phase where I wasn't working out too much or anything like that. And so uh, I started time blocking. I was like, I time block for a meeting. I time block for a podcast. I time block for a phone call. I need a time block for hanging out with my kids. I need a time block for working out. I need a time block for meditation or reading a book or something along those lines. And so I got very disciplined. Um, and, and dude, I am not. Totally dialed in on this, but I'm aware of it. And I think that's half the battle and intentional about it. You know, I, when I get up in the morning, dude, I, I really don't do much from a work standpoint until about 10, 10 a.m. So I'll get up at like 6.30, 30, um, help my daughter, 6 30, 7 o'clock, help my daughter get ready, get her off to school. My, my son gets up. Um, my, my wife will take my daughter to school. I hang out with my son. We're doing puzzles, watching a show, doing breakfast or whatever. I go work out typically around eight to nine come back get cleaned up and then i head out the door or sit down at my desk and just start hammering out uh emails and phone calls and all that stuff um for about six hours a day and then i'll work till about four o'clock maybe five and i try to shut it down at that time and then i time block in the evenings this is very rare that i'll hop on a podcast in the evening I, i can count on one hand how many times i've done it in the past probably two years um that I've done either speaking engagement or a podcast in the evening after like five o'clock. Hey, can you hop on a podcast? Hey, can you hop, can you come and speak? Hey, can we, you know, go grab happy hour? I was like, dude, I, I'd love to, but you know, that's family time, right? Like I have that time block for my wife and my kids and, and hanging out and, um, dude, I'm not the best at it, but I'm, I try to be intentional with it. You know, I just moved down to Charleston, South Carolina. I was from Cleveland, Ohio originally. And, um, uh, you know, my office is right next to like, this is in my living room. So it's it's a little bit hard to differentiate. Where back in Cleveland, I had an office that I actually went to and then the phone was just kind of off when I when I came home. So it's a little bit it, you know, I, I slipped back into this and I'm trying to be intentional again.
1: So you're like on a Monday through Friday, 10 to 4
0: schedule. The kids
1: are not there.
0: Yeah, but so my son is at uh my daughter's in kindergarten. Okay. So she's in school um, you know, 7 a.m. to 2 p.m. 2:30 p.m. My son goes to daycare twice a week. Uh, but he's home like three days a week. So, you know, typically he's hanging out or my wife will be hanging out with him or I'll be hanging out with him. Like my wife works out on Mondays and Fridays at like this, uh, personal trainer and stuff. So like, that's her time. And I'm really, uh, you know, I, I hang out with the kiddos until she gets back till probably 10, 11 o'clock. Um, well, at least Hudson, my son. So yeah, yeah, and then I try to time block in the evenings and then I try not to do anything on the weekends. Um, But dude, it all depends. You know, like sometimes I'm closing deals and sometimes like this week, I closed my biggest deal I've ever closed. It's a $77 million apartment portfolio in in Texas. That was a single building. It wasn't even a portfolio. And uh, dude, fucking late nights until 1130 at night, dealing with attorneys, dealing with partners, dealing with vendors and contractors and all this other stuff. And at the Mm -hmm. same time, um, you know, so I didn't have, the, the freedom of time uh, this week. But guess what? Next week I have almost nothing on my calendar. I have like three phone calls. And I'm going to be hanging out with the family most of the time.
1: Yeah. That was, that's kind of one of the reasons I picked this time slot for now was because most dads got have their
0: kids in bed by this time. So it's like, yep. yes. It's that, yeah. That, that's, 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 that was the beginning of why. Here's, I, here's another game changer that's helped out is my wife and I split putting the kids down each night. So like, we don't each put a kid down. We don't both do um, putting the baby, putting the kiddos down. Like she'll put them down one night, and then I'll do the next night. So it allows her to have a night off, me to have a night off. You you really appreciate being with the kids and doing bedtime because if you do it every single night, dude, it that shit wears on you, you know. So by do doing that. it, by doing it one night and then having a night off, you almost want to do it the following night, you know, or you do want to do it the, next, the following night, uh, not, not almost. And, awesome. um, and it, it's awesome. more meaningful when you do. Uh, put them down Then The other part of it too,
1: is that um, if you do do it every night and then you have to go away for a night or two or something like that, they, they act like you killed them. Oh, you didn't pay me good night. And I, Mm -hmm. you know, it it always, it rankles me a little bit because they act like they haven't seen me for so long. But again, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what they, if they have an expectation, you have to set it and then don't move away from it. Or then they're just going to think everything you say is flexible. And then, Words mean nothing anymore. And I, and yes, that's the struggle I have, especially with six of them, because they're all, they all have a different set of rules that they live by. And I don't know them all. <laughs> they, 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 I wish I did, but they change every day. So um, yeah. I'm going to just break this up a little bit with some weird questions because I like to keep people on their toes. I'm going to ask you five questions. They got nothing to do with anything, but I just kind of want to hear what you got to, what, what comes out of your mouth. So you ready for all that? All
0: right, man. Yeah, let's do it. They're, they're not going to hurt too bad. So what's your lifelong dream? You know, it used to be just like, I think what we all kind of make up in our head, which is like sitting on an island somewhere and just hanging out and chilling and going for a swim. And and that's not really me. I I, I found out that when I go on vacation for a week, I just, you know, I get all antsy. When I go on vacation, I don't like to sit on a beach. I like to go and do stuff. I like to go and like go snorkeling yeah. or go take a, a paddleboard out or go and hang out on a sailboat. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'd say lifelong dream is uh, make an impact as I've grown, as, as money is less of a, you know, I, like I'm still, a, I'm still an achiever. I still drive just because money is kind of like a way of keeping, so, keeping score. So we still drive revenue and I still drive size of my business and I still push but really the bigger thing for me is legacy, right? Like, like legacy is the name, legacy wealth holdings is my investment company. Legacy wealth education is my, um, education coaching business, legacy family, legacy boardroom are my two masterminds. Uh, little legacy library are my kids books. So like legacy is something that's really resonated with me over the past couple of years. And I'm like, I'm, I'm a, I obsess over that. You know, what does that mean? I don't think it's passing down money or treasure and estate and, Uh, I think it's passing down mindset and I want to do that not only for my kids, but, you know, for a lot of other people too. And I think if we can make a bigger impact, this ripple effect occurs. Um, and if everybody elevates, if everybody's financially literate, if everybody has achievement and hundred percent ownership over their life and, um, some of these thought principles and philosophies that we were talking about offline. Um, dude, I think it helps everybody. I think it helps all of society and everybody then elevates up.
1: Yeah, definitely holds the holds back to darkness. If you could talk to the president, what would you talk about? And that would be, yes, our current one.
0: <laughs> you know, the first thing that comes to mind, like the, the thing that drives me nuts with politics is a lot of people don't take 100% responsibility over their life, you know? And i would i would instead of giving people the fish why don't we teach them how to fish like that's really my philosophy i think there's a need for a lot of these social programs and support nests like like safety nets nests and stuff but that's not meant to be a career right like i remember my first rental property ever the lady l- living in there had lived there and she's on section eight for 26 years right and she wasn't that old she was like 60 so she got it when she was whatever like 34 years old <laughs> know and she's been on section eight for 26 years and i'm i'm like uh, i i thought it was like a a a safety like supplement program to help people out and get up back on their feet and like it's a career now and so uh, i also have one of my best friends his dad grew up on welfare because his dad had a single mother and one of like four or five kids and um dude they needed that and she worked her ass off she had two jobs and then she also had uh, you know, some welfare and some some support from the government as well until she got to the point where, boom, she was making enough money and got back on her feet, um, and could then support her family. Like that's what I think these programs should be for. And so I think, um, really, boils down to just personal responsibility, dude. I think everybody needs to to have personal responsibility, one hundred percent responsibility over their life. They need they can't be blaming, can't be making up excuses. They need to realize that, you know. What we think, how we feel, the actions that we take then that that come from all those things dictate what our results are. And I think if that was conveyed to the American people and 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 they're no they know that there's opportunity out there, dude, I, I think the whole country would be in a better spot.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird about the whole thing with responsibility, is people feel like if they take that responsibility that they're going to be shunned. But what they don't realize is when someone actually owns up to something that everybody tries to because they did that that everybody then tries to help them even more instead of they say okay let's work on it now but before that step it's the hardest step just to say yes i'm wrong after that everything gets easy but if you're just the type of person to just blame everybody you're you're just never going to see that side of people have you ever tried to do something you know you would be really bad at and if you
0: did what was it i tried piano signed up for some piano lessons what about a year and a half ago? Took some piano lessons. I still want to. I just I moved. I was traveling. I was doing events and I had to stop doing the actual lessons. But that's one thing that's on my bucket list, man. I want to I wanna play piano fluidly and do it well.
1: You know what's crazy is I did the same thing with guitar this year because I had finally had some time. But long story short, I broke my hand on somebody fighting years ago, and like it's hard for me to do that hand. So it's like the biggest fight for me to play. Even with Chord Buddy, I got to get back at it because, I, you know, it was something I had committed to do. Got a nice guitar, and and I still haven't really played it too much because my my bum finger, like I said, my finger doesn't even go. But, yeah, I feel you on that pain, brother. All right. Mm -hmm. So so you're going to love this next one. On a scale of 1 to 10, how cool are you?
0: (laughs) How cool do I think I am or do other people think I am? I, I don't I don't really give a shit about being cool. I I care more about being authentic, being real. And if if people like that, that I will attract the people that appreciate that and they're going to be in my life and I'm going to be real cool to those people. I'm not going to be cool to the people who are fake and phonies and I got a big net worth, make some good money and stuff. I just I don't get a rise out of the flashy, shiny objects and that kind of stuff. I'm just more of a lifestyle kind of guy and um and i know people who flash out you know all these cars and stuff and dude the only thing they have is a is a 600 credit score they don't even have any money in the bank you know like anybody can get that and so um I, it's just that just doesn't resonate with me but that's not the kind of people that i attract i attract people in my mastermind and um on social media and stuff who are drawn to that authenticity. Like, dude, I, I don't even know where this shirt's from, probably old Navy or something, you know? So, um, I just, I just don't spend money on liabilities. I only spend money on assets. I try to be personally responsible. I try to be aware. I try to think about, um, you know, personal finance, entrepreneurship, mindset, theory, uh, philosophy, uh, happiness. Right. And like, I, that's the kind of stuff that I like to spend my time on. And, and, um, I'll spend money on like vacations on experiences on memories for sure i love i love doing that and i think money uh definitely offers you a lot more options than when you don't have money um but i i, I don't know like I, don't, I have a i drive a jeep wrangler right it's a badass jeep wrangler it's cool it's newer um but i i don't know fifty thousand dollar car instead of a two hundred fifty thousand dollar car i'd rather take that 200 grand either invest it or give it away you know
1: but i'm gonna tell you how cool you are you are a rich guy that made three kids books cool. How about that? <laughs> <Three> <laughs> Who does that? That's like Batman <laughs> with books. Like, you know, <laughs> you just took that off. hair on, just need hair. We're going to do some reading rainbow right now. So we're going to go right into that. So tell us about little legacy library and what made you what what got that in your heart to get that started? Because I mean, your your children are still young, so obviously you wanted to get that started while they were you know coming up, and you already have two, and you're about to release a third. So yep, and we're talking about books,
0: not kids, by the way. We're talking about books.
1: <laughs> hey, listen, I don't know that much private life. You could,
0: <laughs> yo, yo, so, so
1: uh, dude, I don't know, man. Maybe something happened on Springbrook. Now, let me yeah. stop. Your wife's gonna come in and slap you.
0: I know, right? Yeah, yeah. she's going to be like, you're not allowed to go on any more podcasts with him. Um, no. Uh, so, you know, I, dude, I think we go through school and school is great, but it's it really teaches people. Uh, and I went to public school, right? And I think the school system was designed to essentially be a daycare for grownups, for adults who are going and working in factories um, after the Industrial Revolution occurred. Like they're working nine to five. They needed some place to go and put their kids and and have a free daycare. And, you know, if you think about it, dude, schools are a lot of times designed to to not create entrepreneurs, but to create worker bees. And dude, raise your hand to talk, raise your hand to go to the bathroom, raise your hand to eat, raise your hand to um, uh, do anything. And when the bell rings, you better be in your seat. When the bell rings, you can move to the next workstation. When the bell rings, you can go home, you know, and it, dude, it's training, Kids and training all of us um, from a very early age. I mean, from the time we're five up until the time we're eighteen, dude, and it's just getting imprinted in our brain. So when we get out of school, I read two books in all of high school and college. Two, that's it. And when I got out, dude, I read like a book a month, even two books, and then I listened to a book. And it was just like I got all my real education, the entrepreneurship and, and the insights and the philosophy afterwards. And I got, I gave myself an MBA just in. You know, reading books like Think and Grow Rich and How to Win Friends and Influence People and, um, you know, The Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all those different kinds of, of uh, uh, business and thought, thought philosophy type books. You know, like I had to repro- reprogram myself at 21, 22 years old for the next 10 years in order to reprogram the stuff that was imprinted in me for the first 15 years of my life and um, for the previous 15 years of my life. I remember, uh, dude, I had to work really hard on myself and really really uh work on my mindset i remember coming back from actually a real estate mastermind back in 2017 ish and i'm flying back and i'm reading the magic of thinking big by david schwartz and uh i was dude i was in the first chapter and i was like dude this book is remarkable there's so many insights i was like oh my god i'm getting this at the age of 31 and uh can you imagine if if i had this when i was 21 what oh my god my daughter's two years old or three years old she was two at the time I was like, my daughter's two, like, what if, like, this is the most malleable that her, her behavioral type and her mindset and her, uh, her personality is, is, you know, they say it's formed between zero and six years old or whatever like that, whatever that was. And so I was like, I need to find a book to instill these principles in her, um, and whether she wants to be, you know, a, a paleontologist or a microbiologist or a marine biologist or a teacher or, um, ballet dancer or a garbage woman or uh, a cleaning lady or an entrepreneur, I just want her to think big about it. I want her to think achievement oriented uh, and be the best that she can possibly be in whatever she is doing. And so, uh, you know, I got off that flight and I started looking up kids books, uh, like personal development books for kids. And dude, nothing. I couldn't find anything out there. There were a lot of things on, like you know, how to live by the golden rule of treating others how you want to be treated. And there were books on how to work hard. And there were books on maybe even a couple on like money and and finance type stuff. Um, But there wasn't anything on goal setting. There wasn't anything on influence. There wasn't anything on thinking big. There wasn't anything on the, the the basic principles not of not of managing money, but of building wealth. And so. I went through this, you know, whatever you want to call it, something, the universe, God planted a seed in the back of my head of like, Hey Tim, Hey, that was a great idea. Now you rose your hand because you thought of that idea. Now you have to go and implement it kind of a thing, you know? So like, I was like, Oh man, I got personal responsibility to go and and write these books. And that was really when my mark, when my real estate was taking off like crazy, build my portfolio like crazy. And, uh, Um, I just didn't have the time to do it. So I sat on the idea for like a year and a half and it wasn't until, um, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago that, um, my wife and one of my best friends, uh, female friends from high school, uh, we were on vacation together and, uh, her family and my family and another family were hanging out in the pool and I was talking about it and they're like, Hey, I'm at home now with the kids. Like I'll write the books. And, um, and so they raised their hand for that. And we, we, you know, created a partnership. So the ladies wrote the books. I kind of handled the business side of things and marketing side of things and the, obviously the capital and that, that side of stuff. And so we've essentially taken books, uh, the classic personal development books that, um, are the cornerstone of all personal development books that we read today. Things like think, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People, The Magic of Thinking Big, The Power of Positive Thinking, um, and The Richest Men in Babylon. Those are the first five books that we've modeled the thought principles from and created children's books off of those. So our first book was Think Big and Go to Baseball Camp. It's all about having a goal, having a dream, and obsessing over it and sacrificing things that you care a lot about in order for something you care even more about, right? That's going to be even next level uh, for you. And... and um, uh, you know, and, and what it takes to set that goal and think about that goal and obsess over that goal and, and achieve and move forward toward that goal every single day and thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it and in, in order to actually achieve that. And, um, and so it's a really, really, it's a really powerful book. It's a really good book. I can say that cause I didn't actually write it right. The, the ladies did. Um, and the books are for like kids that are around probably I'd say four to 10 years old. They're definitely more than like a Dr. Seuss type of a book, but they are they are illustrated and, the and they're really good, man.
1: The president one, what inspired that particular
0: one? I thought that was kind of cool. Look running mm-hmm. for president. How to how to win class president and influence people or influence peers came from how to win friends and influence people. And so it's it's uh, one of the kids is going through the whole idea of running for class president and he's understanding and learning how to influence create friends and how to care about what other people say and show genuine interest in those things, how to not complain, condemn and criticize other people, Um, that people remember how you how they feel around you, not necessarily what what you say, you know, and um, how you made them feel far more than anything else. And so like a lot of those kinds of things on how to develop influence, like, dude, influence is is everything. Like if you have influence, you can you can succeed at the highest level in life why don't, why aren't we taught that in schools? And it's just, it's not taught out there. And so that book's all about, all about influence. It is really good. Our third book is Power of Positivity. It's all about like gratitude and, um, which, which book, is, and after, after those five, which power was, positive uh, thinking yeah. by yeah. Norman Vincent Peale. And mm-hmm. it's, um, it's, it's a lot about, uh, woe is me, all the bad things that can happen. And here's how how tough my, my situation is. And it's like, Essentially, it's the thought principle of, hey, I I felt sorry for the guy with no shoes until I met the guy with no feet, you know, and like there's always somebody who's in a worse situation. There's plenty of people out there who would trade their problems for yours any day of the week. And I think especially as entrepreneurs, as our kids see us achieving and are going on vacations that none of their friends get to go on and are visiting exotic places that other people only read about in magazines and are living in beautiful beachfront houses and not having to worry about food on the table and not having to worry about like their problems. They don't even know what problems are. And that's one of the, one of the big things that was going through my head when I was raising my kids is like, they need to know that this life that they are living is not real life for 99.9% of the rest of the world population. And how do you do that? I think the best way to do that and, and instill gratitude in somebody is to show them something to compare it to. So this book goes through, um, you know, one of the kids, the main character is Ford actually all the characters are named after like the titans of industry? So there's Ford, there's Morgan, there's Andrew from Andrew Carnegie, there's Rocky from John D. Rockefeller, um, you know, JP Morgan, the, and uh, um, there's yeah, Henry yeah,
1: yeah, that's the next yeah. one, right? Is there a yeah. vision book in that book though?
0: Yeah, in uh, in the first one, there is. Oh, okay, cool. I didn't. Got to have the vision board.
1: So it's yeah, well, funny. I mean, it's
0: it's essentially writing out the goal and then having the goal up on the wall. It's not really a vision board, but it's a, of a lot of goals. We just try to keep it narrow something, to one, yeah, one goal. Something, but it's your... visual, and he looks at it every single day. Yes. Yeah.
1: This so that it's funny. You, you, this pot. This show was built off of the idea of the millionaire next door because I was always thinking when you read that, you're like, you don't really know who lives next door to you and who they could be. So the dad next door was kind of a tribute to that idea where, you know, mm-hmm. there's these amazing people living right next to you. They probably don't even know. You just see them passing by once in a while and you wonder, but you know, here they are. And so that's what this show is about getting to know the, guy, the dad next door. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I feel you on that. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to name all my shows after books, but that's what this one's about. So what's uh, i I'll tell you what, what, what's one question that you wish people would ask
0: you, but they never do. You, you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff is, How'd you get how'd you get to where you are? You know, I I think some of the good questions are like, what are the what are the one, two, three most important things that you wish you would have known 15 years ago? I get that once in a while, but not not as often as I should, you know. Like what does legacy mean for you? I think you asked a really good question, like what is like what is your lifelong goal? And I have lifelong goals. And it's and it's essentially like my epitaph, right? It's like what I want written about me or said about me when I die. And it's like, hey, he was a loving father. He was a um yeah, a loving spouse. He was a supportive father. He was a generous soul. He was a patriot. He was a great friend, could be counted on like it's it's a lot of things like that. And you know what's funny is like none of them have anything to do with money, you know it's it's all things more character based than than anything else. And so I, I think more people would have a lot more success if they had social awareness, emotional intelligence, and that's what a lot of these books are about too, is emotional intelligence. and not only thinking about you but thinking about, their perspective and looking at things at a, at a different way. And I think people need a lot more of that. And there's not enough of that out there. I, I wish people would ask me questions about like thinking bigger. How do you think bigger? Or how do you think next level? How do you, how are you resourceful? How do you problem solve? I think a lot of those things um, are characteristics and traits where everybody's looking for like the, the technical skill set on how do you, put the money with the apartment or how do you uh, source the marketing for the apartment building? And like, I I think 90% of this thing is developing resourcefulness. If you're resourceful, you can go and find the resources. You can find the money. You can find the deals. You can find the knowledge, uh, resourcefulness, develop resourcefulness, and then everything else is available to you.
1: That should be one of your next kid's books. You just write it. And as a kid, trying to invest in apartment buildings so it's like real simple <laughs> idea. and you just lay it out and they're like how do you do it it's like really good it. idea like a 10 year old book take this book and then one of the books i like to give my kids is a uh, Tuttle twins books and yeah. then of that they really hide a whole lot of messages and, and some of them are funny especially the one about the the circus and the clowns that thing had me rolling all the the side jabs at people and and that expect to be paid the same amount as the guy who brings in the money and all they do is sweep the floor. It's just this whole thing. But yeah, I mean, sometimes you simplify something like you need to, like Dr. Seuss did it, rest his soul and rest his books, but he took a big, he took (laughs) really good concepts and he stuck them in your head in a way like you could not forget.
0: I no. think that's where the genius comes from, right? A lot of people like, hey, let me show you how, how smart I am because I'm going to talk about high finance and, and, and you know uh, my, my degree and use all these words that nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about. Like, dude, that, that person's not a genius in my mind at all. It's the, the people who can take complex things and break them down to a third grade level are the geniuses dude, because they can then influence the masses. They can then um, support and educate the masses. Like that person. Is a genius, so uh, I think the simpler you can make it. Exactly to your point, a big deal, dude. What would be your to other
1: dad entrepreneurs? Right, you still got them young, but no, no, that doesn't matter. What What would be your best piece of life advice you could give to other dad entrepreneurs? You You did you did say a couple of good things about like time blocking and all that, but I mean, I don't know. Yep. Maybe, maybe you've come up with a couple of like you know, the, the rules of, you know, the rules of the Bratz family, like these, these are my traditions. They're going to be carved in stone somewhere. Like, what do you got?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, so, um, I would say, I would say three things. One is time blocking and realizing that how you spend your time is the greatest indicator of your priorities, right? How you spend your time indicates where your priorities are. So if you're only spending an hour a day with your family and you're saying family's most important, but you're only spending an hour a day with them. Like you got to call bullshit on yourself, right? Like that's a big, that's a big deal. Realize that. And that's why it's so important. Like time block, make sure time blocking weekends, nights, days, whatever, however you want to work, whatever your business is, make sure you're time blocking time for yourself and make sure you're time blocking time for your family. Uh, so time blocking was, was a big one. Um, the other one that you actually just gave me an impetus. I actually, uh, I interviewed my. I brought in like one of my videographers, and I paid him whatever it was, a few grand. Came in for two days and interviewed everybody on my side of the family, everybody on my wife's side of the family. I sat down and I I had a bunch of questions, and um, they answered a bunch of questions. And it was like, uh, um, you know, tell me things about your childhood. Like, what do you remember that was fun? What do you remember that was not fun? Or what? What do you remember from being a kid? And dude, all the most positive memories that both me, my brother, my sister, my sister-in-law, my brother-in-law, my other brother wasn't there for it, but my parents, my mom, my dad, my wife's parents, her mom and dad, my wife, her sisters, and their boyfriends, husbands. Every single person said that the things that they remembered and the happiest memories that they had from when they were a kid was the traditions, was creating some sort of a tradition. Maybe it was you know, going to grandma and grandpa's for new year's every single year, or, or, um, maybe it was going to Disney world and going to the family, uh, or, or like a family mountain lodge every summer for 4th of July and being out on the lake. Maybe it was going to grandma's after every Wednesday after school, because mom and dad had to work late and grandma always made chicken paprikash. you know, it's like, whatever it was, like, it was the things that were recurring traditions that, that imprinted in everybody's minds from when they were a kid. And those were like the, the, the happiest memories that they had. Um, so I think if you can instill traditions into your, into your family, um, I think, I think that's a pretty powerful thing. And uh, I think your kids will always remember that. So um, that would be number two. And then number three is dude, I, I, All of us, man, we all want to be like the best dad. We always want to be the best spouse. want to be the best entrepreneur. Do I read this book? Do I read that? But like, there's a lot of different things um, that you're worried about messing up. And I think just being worried about messing up means you're a pretty damn good dad, right? Like just because you're thinking about this stuff and asking yourself those questions means you're probably not going to mess it up and you're going to do the right thing. Um, I think the easy or the best thing that you could possibly do is just emulate the type of behavior that... Um, you want your kids to act as, right? Like, so if you act all silly and goofy, um, that's okay. If you like, like, I, I try not to be too serious, right? When it's time to be serious, my kids know it's time to be serious. And when I, when I know it's not time to be serious or we could be goofy, then we'd be goofy. Um, you know, when they ask me something, I say, yes, sir. I say yes ma'am and that's how i respond to my son and that's how i respond to my daughter because i want them to say that to me and to say it to other people specifically try to hold the door open uh every time we come home as a family from dinner or whatever and uh, i say hudson come on over here let's let's hold the door for the girls So, so that way i'm emulating that behavior i think if you're just aware and you're listening to a podcast like this, dude, you're you're an awesome dad right out of the gate. And um, there's definitely going to be tips and tricks and techniques and things that you can do in order to continuously level up. But um, I think I think don't stress over it too much. Just kind of live your life the way that you want your kids to emulate. And um, I think I think they're going to be just fine.
1: Yeah. Um. I mean, having. Other dads thinking like this and talking about it is another way. I mean, we got books, and you know, it's start, starting to starting to really pick up this this idea—the dadpreneur, the the dad groups. Um, I'm I'm starting to see a lot. In fact, you know, I'm, I'm I'm a member of it. I think I'm a I'm helping move that along in my own way. Um, you mentioned some masterminds, and I was going to ask you, like, so, you know, we actually discussed that just before this about having a potential. Dad Mastermind um, event, but uh, why don't you talk about just the importance of masterminds and what they've done for you, and and how they've made you obviously better in business, but maybe even a better dad. And if that's something that you maybe would want to participate and create, maybe right now, right here, as we're talking about, I don't know, but you brought it up, so I figured I'd bring it up.
0: My growth, at least from a business perspective, dude, guys like you and I, and a lot of the guys watching this show they're going to figure out a way to be successful, right? Like they gonna figure it out. I think joining a mastermind, like my growth was like this. And then when I joined a mastermind, it went like this because the access to the resources, the access to the people, the access, to the connections, uh, the relationships that you develop are just, it's outside of anything that's in your own local market. A lot of times um, I remember my dad, You know, again, being an entrepreneur, he'd be like, "Hey, it's lonely at the top." Not not because he made a bunch of money, but he said it's lonely at the top because there's nobody to talk to about this shit, man. There's nobody to talk to about a high level about making millions of dollars or billions of dollars, right? It makes other people feel very uncomfortable, and you can't talk to your employees about it. Maybe you can't talk even to your like high level managers and executives about it, and you can't talk to your family about like because they just don't get it. They don't think on that on that level, and so. Uh, It was just refreshing joining a mastermind where people are talking about pushing limits and asking progressive questions on how to grow and how to uh, implement at a high level, how to to build your team out, how to make impact at a big level. Um, And so it just, it changed everything. I will say that there's some masterminds that are really good. There's some masterminds that might not be so good. There's a lot of different kinds of masterminds for different industries and different mindsets, and different philosophies, and different levels of where people are in their journey. I think whoever the uh, leader of the mastermind, the organizer of that mastermind is really important um, from a core value standpoint that you align with that because they're going to attract them into their group. They're going to attract that kind of person. So you know, if the guy who's leading the group cheats on their spouse all the time, dude, he's probably gonna have some other people in there that cheat on their spouse. You don't want to be in that room, right? Like, a lot of people think, oh, I got to add all these things on in order to be successful in life or business or as a dad or as a as a husband. Um, you have to equally reduce things in your life. Maybe more, more importantly is actually probably reducing the negative influence than even adding the positive influence because just by creating space, by removing all the negative, positive stuff will naturally just kind of fill that void. So I'm making sure that you know if I join a mastermind, I align with whoever the leader is because I know the other people in that group are going to align with that leader's core values. Um, that's really important to me and it should be important to anybody who's joining a mastermind. But for anybody who doesn't know what a mastermind is, it's essentially a group of entrepreneurial or achievement-oriented um, people. Could be men, could be women, could be separate, could be combined, um, that gets together typically you know, a few times a year and they connect uh, you know, pre COVID, it was all in person. And, you know, I, I'd go out to an event and there'd be 15, 20 people in a room, and we'd sit around a room in a, in a semicircle and we'd just go one by one. And everybody'd be like, hey, here's what I got going on in my life or my business right now. Here's my number one hurdle that I'm facing, the number one obstacle. And uh, if this domino got knocked down, all these other dominoes would get knocked down as well. And um, And the collective brain power and the collective support in that group would then offer insights and knowledge and years of experience at high levels. Because, you know, a lot of times, I mean, you can create your own mastermind. You can join some masterminds that are pretty inexpensive. Um, I found that there's different levels of masterminds. There's some of them that are very expensive. You know, you're paying for who's in the group and you're paying for who's not in the group, right? Because if somebody's willing to stroke a check for $30,000 for their own personal growth, like, dude, that, that says something about that person. Like they're going to go and do some big things because they believe in themselves are confident enough in order to write that check. It's a really unique room to be in. And again, they're all growth. They're all achievement kind of oriented and, uh, believe that if you're not growing, you're dying, right? If you're not ripening, you're rotting. If you're not, um, moving the needle forward, then, uh, it's falling backward kind of a thing. So, um, yeah. I mean, dude, I'm in five masterminds. I run two masterminds and I'm a big believer in a man. I think I think all of us as entrepreneurs uh, need to be surrounding ourselves on a regular basis with people that we can openly, vulnerably uh, talk to about all sorts of different things about business and life.
1: Yeah. It's, it's um because it's, you know, especially with COVID now, we need to be around more people because we're not, and we don't have, I don't know about you, but you know, they say what is it they say that you're the the sum of the five people you hang around the most and i hang around kids that are most of them 12 and under so if i wasn't doing something in a mastermind i'd probably be watching cartoons all day and and (laughs) then not not wanting to eat my my meat my my uh, dinner yeah fucking my stomach <laughs> yeah, complaining about going to school. I don't know, but yeah, I I really value them. And not to scare anybody, but you know, they're the thirty thousand dollars ones are definitely high level, high ticket. But there's levels in between that you can still still get a lot oh, of sure stuff. yeah for sure That's way up that you know work your yeah. way up the chain. But the good thing about that is you as you go and grow with them, they your your income level should also increase along that because those relationships. Oh.
0: How you get there, there shortcuts here it, for- it's not an expense man it is an investment and you will see a return on investment like Indeed. i made i made six figures for the first time in 2014 i joined a mastermind in in february march of 2015 I 3x my income i made 400 grand the following in the following 10 months be, directly because of the relationships and the insights i gained from that mastermind so like there is a direct uh, return on investment that you will get from these masterminds. And so, um, uh, dude, and, and here's the thing, Jason, you know, this man, the best investments always in yourself. So like, this is something that they cannot take away from you. You can strip me of all my, all my property and everything. You drop me in a city where I don't know anybody. I will own an apartment building within 90 days because, because I know how to source deals and I know how to source money and I know how to build the relationships. I have the right mindset and that's the kind of stuff that people can't take away from you. So if you can, um, you know, work on you just as hard. Like, what does Jim Rohn say? Like, work harder on yourself than you do on your job or in your business, um, because it will pay dividends.
1: Someone asked Hone. He says your your business seems to revolve around investing and coaching education. How do you split your time
0: between the two of them? So, I, I actually, I'm a, I'm a real estate investor. Ninety percent of my net worth comes from buying apartment buildings, and and my income comes from buying apartment buildings. Ten percent comes from the education. The education, the coaching. I do for for two reasons. First of all, my mom was like a teacher. She had a teaching degree. She's a big volunteer, um, and that kind of resonated with me. I love coaching. I love teaching. I love helping people see themselves as more able to do more than what they can see themselves just by themselves. You know, like that's a th- that gift fulfills me more than almost anything else. So from a fulfillment standpoint, I love coaching and I love masterminds, dude. It's just it's a really really fun energetic group to be part of. So I like that part, but really like the reason I got into it was because I just was active on social media. So like, you know, follow me on, on Facebook and Instagram and you'll see me posting on a daily basis about deals that I'm doing and, um, headaches and struggles that I'm going through. And there's a contractor and I just, I don't know, I tried to like just provide value to people. And, um, and from those social media posts over the past couple of years, I get people just messaging me saying, Hey man, can I sell you a deal? Can I buy a deal from you? can i passively invest with you or do you coach do you do you mentor can i pay you to consult with me and so it turned <coughs> excuse me so it turned into this coaching platform that i just you know i run a boot camp a couple times i don't know, probably i'll do 5 of them probably this year and uh, it's a two day virtual boot camp people come out and it teaches them how to go and buy apartment buildings so they go out and buy apartment buildings but then what also happens is they they come across deals that are too big for them and they send them to us so then we take we get more deals from the coaching so it's not like it's either or they are technically two separate businesses but it's because they align so well together we get deal flow from it and then there's people who come out and they're like dude i love what you're doing i just don't want to do any of the work why don't i just kind of invest with you and then they bring money to our deals so it sources deals it sources money <clears throat> and which is, which is, you know, majority of what we need in order to go out and buy more apartment buildings. And it keeps consistency in our deal flow and it keeps consistency in our, in our uh, passive money flow. So it allows us to just do more deals by having the coaching platform. And we make a couple bucks on it too. And it's a big fulfillment piece for me, dude. I just love, I love it.
1: Got another question here. Michael shine. Hey, Tim, yeah. what's why the five different masterminds do they each focus on different areas of your life?
0: Yeah. Mike, what's up, man? Um, yeah. So I'm in five different master. They're all different groups. And some of them are for me. Some of them are for my team. Some of them are strategic. Some of them are more technical knowledge. Um, I'm in one group that's not even real estate at all. Um, I'm in one that's like more e-commerce guys. I'm in one that's a multifamily. I'm in another one that's a single family, just because you get different techniques and strategies and ideas out of it. And so, yeah, I'm in, I'm in uh, five different ones. And then I have, I have two masterminds. The one is is more of a a lower ticket but i would not say it's low level by any means so we got some players in there and a lot of people doing a lot of deals it's more technical knowledge i would say it's not it's just um it's more about the the nuts and bolts of building a real estate business and then my other my other mastermind is just more strategic it's more um how to then get your business serving you instead of you serving your business kind of a thing and more lifestyle design so um yeah. And, and so like I'm in those kinds of masterminds, I take the best pieces of those masterminds and I try to bring them into mine and, uh, and then, you know, over deliver for, for the people in mine as well. But yeah, I think, uh, um, I don't think you should just be in one mastermind. I think you should be in at least two. Um, I I'm probably in too many. I don't really plug into all of them all the time, but my team does, or there's certain connections and resources why or I, I, I pay and I just don't go to the events, but I'm plugging into some of the connections there, but it makes sense, man. It, it, Again, it's a it's a return on investment kind of a thing. The connections in there are just are remarkable, and and here's the other thing that I would say about a mastermind. Don't join a mastermind for transactional meeting of people. Do it to build a relationship, right? Like the people who come in and just try to extract from masterminds, do they get spun out pretty quick? Nobody wants to do business with them. But the people who go there to give and to uh, um, support, and they have that go giver type of mindset and mentality, do they? And, and they're, they're looking to build relationships. Relationship capital, man, is more important than financial capital. You know why? Because I, if I don't have financial capital, I can reach out to my relationships. And I just did it. I did it this week. Dude, I raised, fi- uh, um, 500 grand. No, fi- I raised $1.1 million in three phone calls from three different people, a million, I'm sorry, 500, 500 and a hundred thousand dollars without paperwork because I have relationship capital with people, because I, 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 I'm I not in it for the transactional side of things. I'm in it for the relationships. And they realize that, you know, I'm not in it just to chase the dollars, but it benefits everybody from that way. So
1: it's the same thing as it was with regular kind of uh, networking events is the guys who are jumping around trying to meet everybody. And, uh, and then there's like, you know, the ones that go around, they, Like for me, it was always about like, find a few good people that you vibe with and just stick with that relationship and build that because you can't get close with everybody at the same time. You can't give value to everybody at the same time, unless maybe you're the speaker, but going deep with those relationships is what's going to get to the point where, you know, your business and whatever, if you're helping people, they'll, they'll also help you along the line. What was the biggest difference in 2015 that got you from the mastermind that allowed for your income to jump three X, like, I guess, was it a mindset? Yeah.
0: No. similar to what kind of what I was talking about is like, don't go for transactional, like build the relationships instead. Um, the one-off events are cool, but the masterminds are, are more powerful because people get to know you and you're able to like, you're going and connecting with them on a quarterly basis. So they see you four times a year, year after year. And it's, it's at a deeper level. They get to know you and um, uh, there's different types of insights. So like in 2015, when I went out, dude you will find that like doesn't matter what industry you're in doesn't matter what um, asset class you're in the same business principles transcend industry so you got like finance and accounting and cash flow management and marketing and sales and operations and human resources and all these different you know right parts of the business and as i like i was a solopreneur back then and and essentially they told me the takeaway from my first event was tim you got to stop doing all this gibberish and all the unimportant and the the non-urgent type things and all the non-revenue generating kind of things. You gotta, you gotta hire an assistant essentially. And, um, I was like, dude, I'd made 120, 130 grand the year before. I was like, assistant's going to cost me like $35,000. They're like, no, 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 no. It's three grand a month, not $35,000. If you suck at it and you don't like it for two months, you're risking six grand, not 36 grand. And so, um, I was like, oh, it's a different way of thinking about it, right? It's somebody else taking an outside view of my business that's unbiased, that's, you know, non-emotional, and uh, you, sometimes you can't see the picture when you're inside the frame. And so you need that outside perspective of somebody who's who's not involved and, and giving you a very, um, just, let's shoot straight, and here's what you got to do, man, like from a non-emotional standpoint. So they told me I got to hire somebody, and they told me I had to join a mastermind. So all of a sudden, it... it You know, I made 120 grand in 2014. They just took 30 grand and and 35, (laughs) 36,000. So it cost me $66,000 essentially to go to that event. But I made 400 grand in the next 10 months because I hired an assistant. They take all the revenue, the non-revenue generating activity off my plate. I then focused on the revenue generating activities. And um, and I was able to raise some more private money. I got more deal flow from it and a lot of other things. Um, So that was a big deal. And every time I went though, here's the secret. Every time you level up, there's another level of problems. There's another level of struggle. There's another level of adversity that you're going to face. That's why it's so important. Uh, why I love masterminds is because you go there on a quarterly basis. And every 90 days as you level up, there's another like ceiling. And you're like, damn, damn. Then you're like, boom. Then you break through it. And you have another quantum leap forward. And another one and another one and another one. And so that's what really has propelled me is I just stuck with these masterminds. And every single 90 days, whatever my biggest hurdle was, Help somebody help me push through it and, uh, and punch through that glass ceiling and it will allow me to just get to the next level and next level and next level.
1: Dope. so how do you, you talked about legacy. What kind of mark do you want to leave on the world? If you had a choice, is it going to be Tim Bratz owner of the state of Ohio, Florida and Texas or mm-hmm. Tim Bratz creator of dope kids books that change lives? Like what's, what's the, what's it going to be for you?
0: Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, I think uh, more, yeah, it the again, way. it's it's the impact piece, right? Like once, uh, you know, I, I I mean, I get respect because I have a big real estate portfolio, but that's not really what drives me. That's not really um, well. That's the influence part, obviously, because it's, yeah, that, that that gives me more influence exactly. to make a bigger impact. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, if yeah. I didn't have all this real estate, it, it, it's weird, dude. Like. I don't know. People ask me questions about relationships. They ask me questions about being a parent. They ask me questions about being a spouse. They ask me questions about what do I do in this scenario. where I don't. What the hell do I know about whatever they're asking me about, right? But they ask me because I'm seen as very successful in this one category. They assume I must know my shit across all categories. That you know, it's it's weird. Like once you have money, people respect your opinion on all categories, um, and, and they they. Um, Uh, they want to know your opinion on a lot of that stuff so it's it's kind of interesting and that has allowed me to then have influence on stuff like this uh, because the more successful i am in real estate the more successful this can be and the more impact i can make and dude i would love for this to take off and turn it into a tv series turn it into a, a mastermind or like some sort of like event and retreat for entrepreneurs and their kids and turn it maybe even a curriculum for, for schools, maybe college, maybe, you know, a, a virtual university, maybe it's a homeschooling program. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know. Like there's a lot of different things that we're thinking about what it's going to look like. Uh, but obviously dude, it's, it's the impact piece, right? Like Carnegie's not known for his steel empire. He's known for his libraries, you know, and how much money he gave to schools and all these other things. Uh, I think that's, I think that's pretty, that's pretty noble, you know, and that's, and that's more what I care about is, is like the impact. I don't really care about passing down money and, and property and all that kind of stuff. I care about, like, I, you know when I'll uh, like when i I'll, I'll feel really good about how good of a dad was I or not, um, is when my kids come to me and they say, hey, hey, dad, I don't need your money. You taught me how to make my own, right? And you can go give all your money away because I'm gonna do it bigger and better than you anyways, dad, you know what I mean? Like, I would love for my kids to say that. I'll be like, fuck yeah, I, I instilled the right principles into these kids. <laughs>
1: First it's like, oh yeah, prove it. And then it's like, yeah, yeah you do that. Yeah. You get a, I love it, man. You got to, you got to like, oh, nah, slow down, kid. You don't know what you're doing and you got to challenge them a little bit. But yeah, I, 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 you, I, if
0: you want to be successful, awesome. I, I really just want to be happy, you know, like whatever they're doing, just, just be happy doing it. Just enjoy what you're doing. And, um, and don't half-ass it. Like don't blame, don't create excuses for your life. Like, own your life, take responsibility over it, be the best that you can possibly be. If you want to be a surfer and that's all you want to do all day, every day, no problem. Just fucking be good at it, right? Like just work hard at it, help other people do it, make an impact, pay things forward, you know, like, like leave the, leave this place better than, than how you came in.
1: With mine, it's kind of similar. You mentioned it, you know, you, you have all these apartment buildings, but it's what gets you into door for people to ask you about this other stuff. So that's what's going to push your legacy forward. If you do want to have this, you know, mm-hmm. education empire, I feel the same with me. It's about adoption. It's like, a, if I can help with the with dad labs, if I can help create a hundred tech companies that create a hundred millionaires, then of those hundred millionaires, my adoption advocate and all that, you know, advocating for adoption, the, the example I'm being by adopting and helping other people adopt. If a person, if I can create more millionaires, there's obviously people that obviously will have more room in their heart and in their pockets to consider that where there weren't before. So I kind of use that as my way of getting in more heads and, and scaling to the right kind of people versus just trying to, you should adopt to a bunch of people who may not be financially able to do so, or just not have that room or in their head or hearts or, or belief system that they would want to do that. So all of this is towards helping build those people up so that they can make room for that in their heads, their hearts, their pockets, whatever so that mm-hmm. that's that's how I want to build my legacy in a similar fashion but you know just a little bit to the side of that but also helping guys like you because if I can help you get more financial literacy more books out there in the world we collaborate let's say on something do a foundation next thing you know all these kids are you know are blessed by this like that that's why I like doing this show with with
0: you yeah, yeah. dude how, how do we hit so many Set each yeah. other up like I, everybody's got like this competitive edge. Dude, I'm always looking at the collaborative edge. I'm looking at like, how do we do stuff together? Because, you know, you have influence and I have influence and other people like, how do we do things together and support each other? There, there's so much negativity, and garbage and trash out there that it, it would be such a breath of fresh air to like see, see, see people saying positive things and see people supporting each other and saying, dude, that's amazing. Good for you, dude. How, let's, let's level up. Let's even do it bigger. You know, you're just getting started. Let's keep moving. Like, how can I help you take it to the next level? And it's, uh, that's so refreshing because of all the negativity that's out there, man. And like, no, I, I, you know, I'd love to collaborate with you and, uh, figure out ways that we can make a greater impact. It's not about you or, or not about me. It's about the greater good Hey, all you entrepreneurs and dadpreneurs, I just wanted to
1: say thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the YouTube channel for past episodes. Show me some love on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really want to be a guest on my show, no problem. Just email the dadnextdoorTV at gmail.com and we'll take care of you. All the information you need is on the show notes of this episode. This is Jason, aka The Dad Next Door, signing out.